The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. We've enjoyed bringing this show since 2005. Your host is Mari Frank, a local attorney since 1985. She's a certified information privacy professional and the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, Protecting Yourself with a Personal Privacy Audit, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. Mari's testified many times on privacy issues in Congress and the California Legislature. She served as a privacy expert for numerous court cases nationwide and at a White House press conference featured on C-SPAN. You may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, The O'Reilly Factor, and many more shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit kuci.org slash privacypiracy. Mari, what's our show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about revenge porn. And I was reading this excellent article in the Daily Journal by Richard Lee and Jay Lichter, who are with the firm of Cilician Lee. And I thought I would invite Richard, who is the partner with that firm, to come on and talk about this. And the name of this article was Revenge Porn Purveyors Soon Face New Consequences. We have a brand new law that just became effective July 1st in 2015, and we're going to hear all about it from Richard Lee. And I want to tell you a little bit about this wonderful attorney. Richard Lee is a founder and co-managing partner of Cilician Lee LLP, and his law practice is um, focuses on complex business litigation, real estate matters, and general business formation and development for clients in California and beyond. The firm was formed to be a one-stop shop for clients seeking well-trained, seasoned business attorneys, but without the high cost and negligible care often provided by the larger law firms. And since forming the firm in 2010, Richard Lee has managed prominent cases in the areas of bankruptcy, fraud, misrepresentation, copyright infringement, and breach of contact. Uh, contract. And so um, you can learn more about him at our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. And you can also reach him at uh, 213-622-9102 at his law firm. And so thank you so much for joining us, Richard. Uh, thank you, Maury. I, I appreciate the opportunity to come on to the show and, and talk a little bit about revenge porn and, um, and, and basically the impact of, of the new law that just went into effect on July 1st. Right. And, you know, we're sitting here. This this show airs on the uh, University of California Irvine campus, and young people are feeling pretty free about when they're in a relationship to share 
images of themselves, of perhaps naked images or compromising images, and they can do selfies and all sorts of things. And um, and then when they break up, there's a problem. Or, you know, I also do some divorce mediation, and people are filled with revenge when they get a divorce or they break up. And so those kinds of uh, horrible things can happen where someone can be very embarrassing. You know, and I saw in your article that you had quoted a study in 2013 by McAfee saying that about 10% of ex-partners have threatened to expose risque photos of their exes online. And of those 10%, 60% actually did that. So um, so this is a big issue, isn't it, Richard? Uh, yeah, it, it is. A, it's a, a huge issue, and it's, it's growing, actually. Uh, one of the issues about revenge porn is, in some ways, it's been around for a long period of time, even before uh, the Internet and, and, and everyone going online and, and posting photos and, and social media, in, in the sense that people would take photos of each other or, or videos and home videos. And, um, and when there was a breakup or something bad happened in the relationship, a, a jilted lover could threaten to expose the other person with those private photos and videos but at that time, there wasn't the medium uh, to, to really have widespread dissemination so easily as there is now with the Internet. Nowadays, you just have people, um, for whatever reason, and, and it, they don't even have to be in a relationship um, because social media is so prevalent. They'll take photographs, intimate photographs, private photographs. Somehow they'll get into the hands of the wrong person or, or a person with, a, with an agenda and they threaten to expose them, and a lot of times they follow through on that. And it's a—it's uh, not only embarrassing; it's an invasion of privacy. It will have consequences on uh, the victim's academic life, uh, professional life, family life. Um, it, it really just goes beyond uh, what the law typically used to address. And and now we have this bill that was enacted into law uh, that does address that, at least in California. Uh, and unlike in other states, we now have a private right of action uh, for victims uh, to bring something in court uh, where, where they can get some redress in terms of injunctive relief, in terms of getting a court order to get this type of behavior to stop, uh, and to get their attorney's fees, to get damages. Those are the types of things uh, that victims did not have prior to the enacting of the law. And that's why it's important. It, it's it's a unique law because California, at least we believe, is the first state to enact a law like this, which gives victims a civil cause of action, a specific cause of action against the wrongdoer. Right. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about that law, but I first want to really clarify what we mean by revenge porn. I think that would be helpful. Yeah, I, I, and I, I think that that would be extremely helpful as well. I, you know, again, revenge porn, uh, um, you know, is in, in some ways is, is a new uh, term within our vocabulary. Uh, but basically, it's, it's really defined as sexually explicit media um, that's distributed without the consent of, of the individuals portrayed in that media. Uh, and that, that happens typically when you, again, when you have relationships between people and they share private moments. Um, and, and these... These private moments, when shared between those individuals, um, you know, it can be very touching. But but when they are revealed to the outside world, um, that causes damage. Um, uh, sometimes to one individual, sometimes to more individuals. Uh, but again, it's not simply just 
embarrassment or shame, although, you know, certainly that's probably the wrongdoer's um, objective. But it will have consequences both, you know, in the professional life affecting their jobs. Sometimes an employer will see this. If you're looking for a job, a prospective employer will, will see this online. Um, and, and it really has far-reaching consequences. But that's basically, in a nutshell, what revenge porn is. Yeah. It's when someone, without the consent of another, uh, distributes that other's sexually explicit or, or, or images. Yeah, Richard, I mean, we even heard about people committing suicide over this kind of a thing. So it is... Uh, terribly emotionally upsetting for people, especially if you can imagine if it's your spouse. I mean, you're married to this person, and you spent a lifetime with this person, and then they do this kind of thing to discredit you. So, um, yeah, it's pretty horrifying. And let's talk a little bit about prior to this new law that became effective, you know, in early July. Um, what what was the law, and, and what were some of the the problems with it that, you know, like not uh, if someone took a selfie, for example, that that wasn't included. Let's talk about the prior law and what happened with the legislature now. Well, the prior law was, was kind of interesting because there was a void in the law. There wasn't a specific cause of action uh, where a victim could rely upon to sue in court and say, take this image down, take this video down. Instead, what they would have to do uh, in California, anyway, was um, uh, seek redress under copyright violations, saying that, okay, you have violated my copyright. This image belongs to me. Uh, this video belongs to me. You're portraying it without my consent. The problem with copyright violations is that in order to establish um, that you have a copyright and that you own the image, you need to uh, basically set forth that you do have ownership. You have to send it to the copyright office. You have to show the image to strangers and establish that, yes, that person is me. The problem with that is that it's really counterproductive because right. the idea is one would have to send one you know, private photographs, uh, naked photographs, or, or videos to strangers in order to, to prevent other strangers from seeing those naked photos or videos. Right, you so have to invade your own private... 22, in order yeah. to stop this from happening, you had to, as a victim, perpetuate uh, the dissemination of your photos and videos even further. Right. Uh, and, and beyond that, you know, some states did have criminal laws, including California. But criminal laws, what it does is it simply makes a misdemeanor of this type of behavior, but it doesn't give the victim a private right of action to stop this from happening. It says, okay... Uh, you know, th this person, the wrongdoer, has done wrong. They're charged with a misdemeanor. Uh, they can get arrested. Uh, but the image is still out there. Um, so, so in order for the victim really to get things back to square one, uh, you really needed some teeth in the law to allow uh, a court to have a reason to take down these photos, to give an order saying that, you know, these, these, these photos belong uh, to the victim, these videos belong to the victim, and you do not have to establish a copyright. You can simply have them taken down because uh, they qual qualify as revenge porn. Now, the uh, the website itself, they can't be prosecuted for not taking it down, can they, or can they? Well, you know, it, it was kind of a, a, an interesting thing. Before, again, under copyright laws, you could do that. Um, it, it, it shifted uh, copyright law violations shift the violations not only to the wrongdoer, but the web hoster, the web right. provider. Right. Um, 
for something like this, um, you know, really the law is aimed at, at, at going after the wrongdoer. Um, and, and that would be the person who's put it up on a website. On the other hand, what the court can do is it can not only put a court order telling that person to take it down, but it can, it can tell the, the, the web provider itself, the web host, uh, Yahoo, Google, whoever it is, or, or whatever company is hosting that image or that video, uh, the court order can tell that company, take this down. And they would have to take it down. And if they don't comply with the court order, then they're subject to all the other um, uh, uh, sanctions and penalties that happen when you don't follow a court order. But the right of action is against the wrongdoer himself. Right. So, Richard, let me ask you this. I mean, this is a challenge that everybody might be thinking about. So let's say you were able to get the website to take it down. You got a court order. You got some damages against the wrongdoer. And now those images have maybe been replicated all over the Internet. What do you do now? It's still out there. Well, you know, that's, again, a, a very interesting question because, again, one website perpetuates something to another website, somebody emails an image to another person's uh, email account, and then it privately gets disseminated. That's kind of the issue, and, and that, that's always been the issue um, with any uh, wrongful dissemination, whether it's revenge porn, whether it's uh, copyrighted or trademark material that is then disseminated. In some ways, it's up to the victim to kind of police that himself or herself mm. and to find out where it's been disseminated, because if you get that court order, that says that this dissemination was wrong, that this is qualifies as revenge porn and should be taken down, you just have to find out what websites, uh, what web hosts, what, what, uh, what medium uh, or what media that revenge porn has been distributed on, um, and then you give that order, that court order, to that web host, to that medium, and they are supposed to take it down. But it does require a certain amount of self-policing. You know, unfortunately... You know, we don't have a, a central authority out there that can do the checking for you. You kind of have to do the homework yourself. Right. That would be, you know, with all this going on, that would be a, a great new business, wouldn't it, to be it able to? It would be a great <laughs> business. But, I, you know, that also points up the, the fact that, you know, if, if you're the victim of something like this, to try to act immediately, to try to act quickly. Because the quicker you can act on something like this, the more contained uh, you, you can have the damage. Uh, if you wait for months or even, you know, longer than that. And then after that, you, you bring a, a case uh, with a claim for, for revenge porn to take down these um, uh, offensive materials. Uh, you might get that court order, but by then, uh, the images and videos have perpetuated online to places that you would never, you know, force Exactly. Do, and it would take forever to, to police that. So the idea is act quickly when you see something like this going on. It and would unfortunately seem for the victim, yeah. they might not always know when it happens. It might take a couple of weeks. It might take a month before the, the images and the fallout reaches her. Right. They may not know about it. It seems to me that part of your damages against the perpetrator would be to either have him or her pay for that to be done, and if they don't have the money, to have them be charged with searching and, and demonstrating <laughs> where, where all of these have been replicated, and they write the letters, and they do it, because the victim is going to be saddled with just, you know, an overwhelming task of how to do this. You know, I deal with identity theft victims, and for them to try and clear up their name if they've been a criminal identity theft, for example, cr- Victim of I, 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 I would agree with that. I, yeah. I think uh, there is actually a provision within the new law, 
and again, this is codified in Civil Code Section uh, 1708.85. Um, and Section uh, E of that, or, or Subsection E of that section, states that the court may also grant, after holding a properly noticed hearing, reasonable attorney's fees and costs to the prevailing plaintiff. So there is an attorney's fees provision built in if you can win on your claim uh, for revenge porn and you get that injunctive relief, meaning that you get a court order ordering the other side and the offending parties to take all efforts to, to take down these offensive images and these offensive videos. Um, you can get back your attorney's fees, or at least a court order awarding you attorney's yeah. fees from the wrongdoer. Um, and, and so the longer your attorney or your team has to take uh, in, in finding out where this, this offensive material is propagated to, uh, that can count as costs and attorney's fees that you might be able to recover from the plaintiff or, or from the, the yeah, defendant. From, yeah. The, the and, and, and the truth of yeah. attorney's fees awarded, yeah. they're only as good as the, the defendant or the wrongdoer is solvent and has the ability to pay. And if your attorney's fees, you know, spiral a bit, and, and sometimes that has a habit of happening in litigation, right. um, it, it, it may be a little bit of work in recovering your attorney's fees. Yeah, but, but but the ability um, uh, to recoup some of your costs is there in the law. Yeah, and that that's the worrisome thing that when we hear about uh, all of these this revenge porn, it might be young people they don't have any money, you know, and um, or it's it's somebody who doesn't have the the uh, you know financial ability to to pay the attorney's fees or pay for those costs for that. So that's a, a real challenge, I think, is that you've got this cause of action. Let me ask you something. So if they uh, if they do use the civil code and, and file a lawsuit, can they also file under, you know, do we still have the ability to uh, go after, have law enforcement go after them for violation of the penal code? Absolutely. Uh, you, know, it, you know, just because you file a lawsuit doesn't preclude um, you filing criminal charges against the wrongdoer. And in fact, you should file criminal charges against the wrongdoer. Uh, because if you've been wronged, this, that is another avenue by which to stop the offensive behavior. Um, uh, frankly, uh, I, the, the one hesitation that sometimes people have in pursuing a criminal action concurrently with a civil action is that if the criminal, action, uh, the, the criminal proceeding takes some amount of time, in some sense, um, uh, you kind of have to let that play out before you do your discovery and before you, you, you do your, your civil case. Because if, if there's a criminal proceeding and for whatever reason they exonerate the wrongdoer, uh, mm-hmm. something happens or, or it, you know, maybe they simply don't have enough evidence, uh, that, that, that was not going to bear well on your, your civil claim. Right. Uh, that being said, you know, if you've been wronged and the, and the police do their job, um, you know, frankly, there, there shouldn't be any, any drawbacks. And in, and, in fact, I would encourage any victims of revenge porn to both pursue a criminal action. Um, you know, that, that's obviously free. Um, uh, civil actions, again, are the American system is, you know, every, each side pays their own way. Uh, eventually, you may get reimbursement for attorney's fees at the end. Um, but because of the expense involved, certainly the, the criminal um, uh, uh, pressing of criminal charges is much more attractive in some ways uh, than pursuing a civil action. Right, because if, if you pursue a civil action and, um, and you get a judgment but there's nothing to collect, then, you know, the, the wrongdoer kind of goes free. You know, and yep. he's and he's, Absolutely. you know, Absolutely. he can do it again to other women, 
you know. And what I thought was interesting, you also had in your article, you said that what was really troubling is the Cyber Civil Rights Initiative estimated that 80% of revenge porn images are recorded by victims themselves. So that, you know, that's something for us to talk about as well with our audience is that, you know, if you're taking a selfie (laughs) and you're sending it to your loved one, um, you you have to be careful, right? I mean, are you? I mean, you might want to uh, yes, even think I, about I, never I, I, doing it. I would that. absolutely agree with that. In <laughs> fact, you know, my, my general advice to that is don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. You know, you can avoid the whole situation by simply not doing it. Uh, unfortunately, we live in a world where today, with social media and with so many you know young people and so many people in general uh, living on their phones, living on their mobile right, devices, right? Um, this does happen. Uh, so now there are safeguards in the law to address some of these issues, but people should be aware um, those selfies that you take of yourself after a shower or, or maybe in a compromising position and you send it to, to someone you trust, that might be someone you trust right now. But if something happens, things change in life. And a year from now, two years from now, a month from now, uh, that person might not be so trustworthy. Or that person still might be trustworthy but forwards it on to another person who isn't so trustworthy. Once you send something out of your control, uh, out of your phone, it is you no longer have the control over what happens with that image or that video. So you should be very, very careful. And, and if, if, if at all possible, don't do it. Don't put yourself in that position. Even to have it on your own phone, Richard, you know, if you lose your phone and it's not in an encrypted file, <laughs> you know, somebody else can see it. Or, or even if your loved one never did share it with someone else and he or he or she loses their phone. Or, you know, I don't know if you saw that movie Sex Tape where, you know, this couple did, you know, made their own sex tape and didn't realize that they were sharing with their iPhones. So, you know, I think your your best advice is just don't even take that kind of picture. Don't even Absolutely. do it. And, and, you know, it's it's to the point where, where some people might take that photo or, or video but not disseminate it and keep it on their own phone. but. That, that's assuming that that phone is never backed up anywhere, that right. nobody else has access to those images or video. Uh, people break into phones all the time. Right. Uh, and that, that, that opens up a whole host of other issues about hacking, about like breaking into um, uh, uh, other people's property. Uh, but again, that, that gives um, uh, a, a wrongdoer the opportunity uh, to engage in revenge porn or other mischief that you just don't want. So these are the types of things that you've got to keep private. Uh, if you want to have that image, take a mental picture of yourself or a mental mental picture of something, uh, but don't disseminate it. Don't don't store it. Don't save it. Uh, exactly. That would be my advice. Exactly. So, what do you think is going to happen with this uh, new law? What do you? How do you think it's going to affect California litigation? Well, you know, I, I think you know part of part of the reason actually, uh, you know, that we wrote this article, and, and I give a lot of credit to my associate Jay Lichter for. They're taking a laboring oar on, on a lot of the research and, and drafting. Um, these new laws, you know, are really intended to create a new legal framework for attorneys in this state to work and set precedent in. You know, obviously this creates a, a whole new framework for, for plaintiff's attorneys uh, to, to, to create a, a little bit of a cottage business. It, it does, you know, increase the specter of more litigation. But this is the type of litigation that is used as a hammer to prevent unwanted behavior. Uh, and and I, I really feel that other states are going to follow California in this regard. 
Uh, a lot of states actually uh, don't even have revenge porn being criminalized. Uh, California is one of the states that do. And now California is one of the, the, the only states, and it, it may be the only state, that has its own uh, private right of action uh, to pursue a claim uh, against revenge porn. Other states don't have that, but we can see that happening in the future. There is federal legislation uh, pending uh, that would uh, criminalize revenge porn nationwide. Um, and and you know, that, that, that will probably go through, if not this year, the next year. And, and, and I, I really see that this, this is more of a deterrent. This law has been enacted to prevent uh, basically wrongdoers from engaging in mischief that at least for the time being, up until July 1st, they were able to get away with uh, yeah. without being sued in court, without having to uh, worry about that, other than copyright violations or stalking violations, which you know either didn't apply or were so tough to uh, enforce as, as uh, or to, so tough to prosecute that they really didn't have any teeth. And I, I really see this law as having a, a kind of a chilling effect on what is really bad behavior uh, by people that, that really shouldn't engage in, in behavior with, with other people's images and videos. Yes. Um, we're speaking with Richard H. Lee, who is a partner with Silician Lee LLP in Los Angeles. Richard, I have a question for the federal law that's pending. Um, is it a misdemeanor, or what, what level of crime is it if we are going to have a federal law on, on revenge porn? Well, you know, it's, uh, it's not 100% clear yet, uh, and, and part of the reason why it's, it's still simply in the, the bill process. Um, it, it, it would, it usually, when you have um, behavior that's criminalized, whether at, uh, at a misdemeanor level or, or felony level, it's usually the degree of the behavior. Right. Um, and and as, as a bill passes through Congress, as it passes through the Senate, um, uh, things get whittled down or things get strengthened. But uh, I really see that if you have the dis- intentional dissemination of offensive material, um, and, and th- there is an argument that it should be a felony, uh, but looking at states the way most states um, have enacted their own specific state laws on criminalizing revenge porn, uh, it's usually considered a misdemeanor. But usually that has enough teeth to, to scare people away from engaging in bad behavior. But I can see in some egregious circumstances where the dissemination is not simply on on some uh, website, obscure website, but is intentionally distributed to people at your workplace, to people within your personal family right. that has the, the intention of disrupting life. Um, that could be criminalized as felony behavior. But right. again, that, that's simply from a policy um, perspective, and, and, and we have some time before it gets to Congress and, and before we figure out you know, what behavior is classified in what category. Right. So, um, at least with this new law, one of the things that I read was that the the name of the victim can be anonymous, so that there is some level of privacy. Am I correct on that? That that is correct. Um, and and that you know the the law has um, allowances for all sorts of um, uh, 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 issues of privacy. Uh, when, when something involves a minor, uh, you have a lawsuit almost. Uh, I think in pretty much every circumstance, um, uh, the minor's name will be protected. Um, in, in other circumstances, crimes involving sexual assault, um, you'll have you'll have the victim's name protected as well. Uh, this one as well. I mean, the whole point of uh, privacy, the whole point of, of of this statute and this law now is to protect people's privacy. It would seem to run counter to that to disseminate their identity to the entire world. 
um, uh, in, in having to pursue a, an action to protect your own privacy. Right. Uh, so, so there is that safeguard. You know, it seems to me as a mediator who keeps things private, and that's one of the things that I, I really tout my particular practice as being different from everybody else's because I really uh, focus on privacy. It seems to me these are the types of cases that should be mediated first before litigated because it's going to be less costly and you're going to probably get some apology and some other things and maybe work out some, some deals where the defendant can work very hard to get the things off the web rather than somebody else. So it just looks to me like you'd have a lot more privacy and mediation. But as I look at the clock, we are just about out of time, Richard. So please uh, give us your website, and it's going to be time to go. Well, I, uh, thank you, Mari. I appreciate that. Our website is www.celicianlee.com. And uh, uh, that's spelled S as in Sam, A as in Apple, L as in Larry, I as in Igloo. S as in Sam, I as in Igloo, A as in Apple, and as a Nancy, L-E-E dot com. And I appreciate everything, and I appreciate the opportunity to be on this show and yeah. to discuss what is um, a pretty interesting topic and a topic that I, I think is very timely right now. Cutting-edge law, yes. And so stay in touch. We'll do it again, okay, Lee? Uh, okay. We'll have you again, Richard, okay? Thank you very much. I will. Okay. Absolutely. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every month. Monday morning at 8 a.m. and visit our website at KUCI.org. Because so <laughs> we started. <laughs> oh, God, I'm so hot. Okay. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org and the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. And we hope to have you next week. Thanks. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.